Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a... Hello, more big stocks and jacks. Have tomorrow. And we're on the board. SP Futures down 51. Yeah, down 51 again. As that futures down uh, 177. Let me see what the dollar is. Dollar's getting its ass kicked as well. That's not so good. Dollar's down uh, 378. So that's not good. Uh, I don't see any. Let me see if I can find some green. Uh, no. British pound down since they're raising taxes or lowering taxes on the rich is down. The pound is under 111 to the dollar now. It's 110.50. Euro dollar is 0.97. It's it's absolutely ca- uh, uh, carnage in all in all these areas and all these currency things and everything. I mean, if you if you're paying uh, interest to the U.S. from uh, with when your and your income is in pounds or euro dollars, you're in a rough time. We have Mr. Kevin. You do. Good morning, uh, Kevin. We're in. We're officially. I, I declare. I declare. We are in bizarro world. <laughs> I certainly am. I'm in Indianapolis yeah. this morning. Really? So well, there you go. You know, anytime you're in Indiana, you're in bizarro world. Do you think uh, Andrew has any idea what bizarro world is? Well, well he might. I know. He might. I, if he watches the current Superman show, he knows what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's Superman then. Then I'm aware. Well, it actually, there, was a, there used to be a, uh, a comic strip, Bizarro World, right, Kevin? This not still around, is it? Well, there was, but yeah, Bizarro had his own uh, strip for a while, but uh, you know, Bizarro was just uh, Bizarro Superman. Oh, all right, I did not know that. Yeah, I can't find yeah, any kind of Superman's opposite. Yeah, I can't find any any green here anywhere. Not gold, not copper, not anything. U.S. dollars the only the only piece of green on the screen in the VIX. I don't think we can count the VIX. Just saying. Um, well, <laughs> we can count it as being up. I don't know if that's good or not. What uh, so what you're saying, though, is in- investors are not real bullish on the economy right now. Huh? Um, I think they're absolutely running for the hills. Uh, you can see every night there's a, we, we have a big sell-off on the close, which means there's mutual funds selling. Um, for those that don't, don't know, uh, and you should know if you're in one, um, that's why I, we, we have... At PTI, we have a lot of mutual funds that people have brought in. We've never once sold one. Uh, and we're, we're mu- one of the p- mutual funds are not all bad. They have their positives to them, uh, and but not, not very many, in my opinion. Uh, <coughs> well, the positive really is if you send somebody, you can send a mutual fund $100 a month, and there's no fee or anything to get in. So you don't you don't have to make a trade. You don't have to pay commit. Well, some some commissions are free some places too. Although they're not really free, <laughs> they're they're sold. The customer becomes the person they give the order to. But that's that's another whole story. But uh, the good or the bad is if you buy or sell a mutual fund during the day, the price you buy it at buy it at as they say in the south side is the closing price of the day. So if all kinds of people call up a mutual call mutual funds all over the country. And decide they want to buy. Uh, if not, if if, the net, if there's net buyers at the end of the day, they buy essentially on the close. Same way with selling. So, if you if you see the market down, you know, a thousand points at nine o'clock in the morning, and you call your your broker and you say, I want to buy, put twenty grand in, you know, X Y Z fund, 
uh, and at the end of the day, uh, the, the market's up a thousand points. You think you were you were shrewd, but you're not. You're getting the closing price, which is up. Now, this can work for you or against you. I mean, nobody really knows what the thing's going to do the rest of the day, but you're going to end up with the closing price. So sometimes, or a lot of times, at the end of the day, when you see the runoff is either to the upside or the downside, it gives you a little bit of a clue. Not always. It gives you a little bit of a clue what the mutual funds are doing because that's the time that they have to process their imbalances, for lack of a better term. Does that make any sense, Kevin? Uh, it does make a little sense, yes. So the last um, several days... Especially the part about thinking I'm shrewd and finding out I'm not. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it happens a lot. So what did you... I will say this. Uh, I'm uh, reasonably happy. Uh, once in a while, you know, nobody's right or wrong all the time. When the, when the British decided to cut taxes on the upper end of the of the, the spectrum, and this lady basically, when she came in, said she's a an apostle of Reaganomics, and Joe Biden immediately said, that never works. What are you doing that for? I got to go with them on this one. This whole trickle-down thing, I never... When you come right down to it, that the two parties, that's their difference. The Republicans, uh, at, at their core, are help them out, and they'll sprinkle to the other people. It's trickle-down. And the Democrats are, we'll throw money at people on the bottom that are voting for us, and, and we'll figure that works. And I don't know that either one of them work, to be honest with you, Kevin. Yeah, I don't know that, that I mean, historically, that is a, a Republican position. I don't know that that's true anymore. Well, uh, other than, I think, other than I, fighting I with each Republicans, side. It, it, it's become more of a party of working-class people. Now, that doesn't mean working-class people are doing wonderfully <laughs> in yeah. the Republican regimes. Although, you know, the, the first you know, the pre-COVID years for Trump, they actually, you know, we actually did, you know, grow some manufacturing jobs, and we actually did, um, even though it was marginal, you know, marginal amounts, we actually did see, at least as compared to the reported uh, inflation rate, have real wage growth. So uh, in that yeah. regard, um, it is. But I, I, I think policy-wise, um you know, I, I don't even know that we argue too much over over economic policy. Some, you know, certainly uh, on the edges of uh, of any kind of policy, we have arguments. But for the most part, lately, the arguments are all on social policy. Well, it, it, except try and raise the corporate rate like a tenth of a percent, even though it's way too low. You know, I mean, it, the I don't, I just well, you know, you know my views on this. I mean, it's, I think everybody, no matter who you are, what you are, LCC. Uh, LLC, uh, uh, corporation, or person, the rate should be the same, and I think that the corporations should deduct dividends so they don't tax, they don't tax twice. And they I they, so, that, so they'll actually do them. They'll actually issue them. Yeah. Well, be, I think the, the, the reason why <laughs> guys like Warren Buffett, and I'm not lobbing a big criticism out there, the reason why he and Microsoft and all these other people, Apple, have this massive trough of cash is because they can they can give you the argument that if I give it to you I've already paid taxes which maybe they haven't but I give you I give it to you I pay taxes now you got to pay taxes I can do better with it than you can I can essentially do better with with 100 percent of the money than you can do with, yeah, with 65. I, I, can grow, I can grow your uh, equity yeah and if, and if we got rid of that argument we wouldn't have I think the the the, the people at Warren Buffett's next convention will be saying hey bleep Share a little bit, will you? We're not saying give everything. We're not saying get rid of your flexibility next time you want to buy a place or two. But you don't need that much. You know, cut it by ten percent or twenty percent and send us a check. 
I think you would use. Well, and, and, and I don't, I don't think there is any more misunderstood or misquoted uh, Warren Buffett position on any of this than when he talks about, you know, his secretary and a higher, uh, paying a higher tax rate than he pays. Um, because what he is really talking about is the absurdity of the system itself, yeah. not complaining that he doesn't pay enough taxes. But why? Why? What I what I just said, Kevin, to me is is so simple. <laughs> why? Why have we always? I mean, this question was brought up in, in taxes at Notre Dame, for God's sake, with the Dink, the Dinkalo. Uh, why? Why are? Why is there double taxation? And the answer is nobody seemed to know. I mean, you already paid once. Either dividends should be free to the to the person that gets them, or they should be tax deductible to the corporation. I would rather go that route. And everybody then is in their own tax bracket. Yeah. So why is it taxed twice? Because once you start taxing something and it becomes ingrained in the revenue stream for the government, the government thinks that's it. You know, go- the government in general, and I'm, I'm you know, that's it's a big, uh, a big word. But individuals in government believe it's their money now. Well, except, and and so if you if you get rid of it, if you if you eliminate that double taxation, they think you're taking their money. But you you would be much better off. If instead of the corporations hiding at places and never really paying the full amount, you'd be much better off for them just to, to pay the dividends to people because individuals would pay the full amount, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let me lob one other thing out at you. It's part of, partly it's also because we have a a very very complex uh, tax code. Instead and instead of simplifying it, we keep it complex. And why is that? It's because every time somebody gets elected or every time power shifts. You can use that tax code to punish your enemies and reward your friends, or to fund your pet peeves or pet projects or whatever you have. And you know that if you if you have this big behemoth of a of a tax code with thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of stuff, you can you can stash anything in there. Whereas if you had a very very simplified tax code, it would be much much harder. Things would just jump out more. Um, I had this it would also be harder to lie about the other side, too. I had this discussion with, uh, with, with Dr. J. Um, one of the reasons why the tax code is, I think, one of the reasons why the tax code is so complicated is because it is responded, some of it is to give people a break, right? And some of it is it responded through the years to people essentially getting around it. So there's, there's two influences there, and I I don't know I'm not enough an expert on it. You know where's Bob? We need him. And which which is which? I mean, otherwise, I mean, if you just said okay, uh, you know, you got to pay 35 percent of your income. Well, that, well, now that's another that brings up a whole. What exactly is income? <laughs> you know, how do you how do you figure income? I mean, it, it's not like people immediately immediately like anybody worked on the trading floor and anywhere else. If they come up with a new rule, the first question in your mind is how do I get around it? Right, I mean, this whole idea of transfer pricings overseas and parking stuff other places. I mean, you know, that 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 should put people in jail. But we we never ever go after one of these people, ever. You know, and and and, and because there's no follow up, it really doesn't matter what the code is. I mean, there's never been anybody who was, uh, I mean, who, who you know, you never saw the board of directors, you know, yanked out in handcuffs because they they approved the double Dutch sandwich or something. Did you ever? I mean, it's not going to happen. And, and until there's any sort of a, it's it's this, 
it's the exact same thing as people running around Chicago shooting everybody. Nobody ever gets arrested. Nobody ever goes to jail. It's the same thing, right? It's just on a different level. There's no, you know, the... uh, So so if there's no consequence, you get more of it. Well, I mean, the... the, That's not human nature, is it? Well, the first, I think, you know, and I could be, if it isn't the first, I think the first drug company, U.S. drug company, that the, their dear departed bought up by God knows who years ago. You know what, uh, Andrew, do me a favor, uh, Google uh, Forest Labs. I think, gotcha. I think Forest Labs was the first one to go offshore. I think they went to Bermuda. And I think what they did is, uh, Kevin, which is... How you get away with this? I have no idea. I think they they formed a separate company down in Bermuda and transferred all their U.S. patents on their drugs to that company and then paid ma- monster leases. It was either Bermuda or someplace. Monster monster leases or uh, what do you call royalties to that company for the U.S. patents to evade U.S. taxes. Anybody who let that slide on day one, if they weren't getting paid and their, their stuff, their back pocket stuff, was a moron, in my opinion. That's a strong word, I know, but how, how do you let that happen? Unless somebody, somewhere, they started paying off a bunch of senators and everybody else saying, well, let's just let this slide. This, this looks pretty cool. How many years later was, did you have the double Dutch sandwich and all the other stuff, where all this stuff is overseas with some bizarre sort of a... I mean, right now... I think if Stacks and Jacks all of a sudden was making a million bucks, I could put Andrew over in uh, China, or uh, China, no one put him there, I wouldn't do that. I'd put him over in Ireland or someplace that has a, actually, can they, do they still have the, the tax thing, or do you come down on him for that? Anyway, so there's going to be a place we can stick Andrew, and he would fax us a schedule every Monday or something. And I can pay Andrew 100000 a month. I wouldn't pay him. I'd pay the, the thing over there. Yeah, Andrew only gets ten. <laughs> yeah, Andrew only gets ten, and, and uh, I could pay a hundred thousand a month over there, and all of a sudden we got a loss here because we got to pay our, our scheduling consultant. And oh, by the way, we'll put the the, the trademark stocks and jacks over there because that's a state mar- a trademark uh, term. We'll put that over there too. So between the two of them, we're paying a hundred thousand a month. Guess what? We're losing money here. We're making money in Bermuda or some damn place, Sudan or somewhere. It seems to me a certain amount of that got cleaned up the last time we did a tax bill, but I, I don't. Um, you know what? I, I can't swear to that. I actually, I believe we had somebody on who was a minor expert. Certainly wasn't me. At the end of the day, if you didn't go back and forth as much, if you actually were able to segregate your overseas business, it ended up being way better for you in the new new tax bill than the old one. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works through. I mean. We need, we need Bob back, but uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, the but I mean I, I think it actually made it easier if you di- if you didn't if you weren't as a, as ridiculously uh, uh, you know out flashing lights about it. I think if you did it behind the scenes, I think it actually made it easier, Kevin. We don't you know they, you you never win against these people. Well, you you don't, and um, and again, this uh, you know a lot of this is uh, having a complex tax code. And one of my beefs about it is uh, that, from the in, in the corporate sense, our, our tax code directs a lot of the economy's creativity and uh, brain power into uh, into areas that are not, that don't have anything to do with making things. So, you know, we spend a lot of time on 
uh, on tax that would be much better off uh, time and, and investment money that would be much better off going to product innovation or uh, process innovation. Oh, sure. But, but I guess so it, 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 it also, you know, it, it's a drag on what you really, really want your economy to do. But I think going back to, I keep, you know, tying things back into being a trader, at the end of the day, uh, when they made all the rules for the CBOE, and, you know, because it was the only options exchange at the time, they did something I don't think you'd ever get away with uh, because it was a member organization. I don't think you'd ever get away with in the, in the real world, real world, uh, outside world. And what they did is they, 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 after all the years of people knowing about how to trade, they listed kind of all the rotten things people doing, the things you shouldn't be able to do, and against the, the violations, right? And the last one they said, anything that, that uh, either interrupts or goes against <coughs> the uh, <coughs> just and equitable principles <coughs> just and equ- equitable principles of trade. So there was a catch-all in there. Sure, so, it's sort of like in your job description when it says yeah. assumes other duties was requested. Yeah, and so you know, and then you sit there, and so if, if you if, if you found a trap door, for instance, that you could you could drop under the floor when the order came out of the booth and, and beat the broker to the crowd and pop up in the crowd, nobody thought of that as a violation, but hey, wait a minute. If everybody did that, that, that's against ju- just and equitable principles of trade. You can't do it. And that was, and yeah, that's that's what you'd call the "don't be a dick" clause. Yeah, basically. But but in a, I'm saying the, t- the tax thing. No matter what it is, somebody's going to find a way to get around it. Well, wait a minute. I I don't have any expenses here. They're all they're all in Bermuda. And it, but if it's not in the code that says you can't do that, that's pretty simple. It's overseas, man. I'm paying over there. Yeah, but they only pay two percent. Well, I, <clears throat> you know, lucky them. You know, I mean, I think a lot of it is is to try and blunt the people trying to get around it. And then, of course, you get then you get people that I think a lot of what. Uh, so you think it's 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 a lot of spy versus spy, basically. Yeah, I do. You know, you know, one 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 goes after the other, goes after the other. Um, well, then then there's uh, then there's of or course or the stuff. Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, except that that would be it would that would be a better analogy if Wiley Coyote actually got up on him once in a while, but he never does. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I mean I think a lot of what, for instance I, I you know I, again we need a an expert and I can, you know and I cannot find one uh, Kevin, um, but I think a lot of what Trump's antics in his in his tax stuff and again I don't you know whether the guy's lying or not lying or who cares and when why why it's the state of why it's the state of New York's business why it's not between him and the bank you know that I don't get but anyway but I don't know that much about it. I think what a lot of what happens in real estate, I think there's special carve-outs for real estate. I mean, if you if you go into, uh, say, say you open up an account somewhere or one on a trading floor, Pete, you still can, I guess. Um, if you're on a trading floor and you and you had a $2 million in your account and all of a sudden you had a position and some incredible thing screwed up and you lost $4 million. So, okay, you're down 2 and and you're down two to the clearing firms now out two, right? Maybe you can pay them back, maybe you can't. But what you can't do, I don't believe, is is write off four on your taxes because you only had two in the game. You only had two that were at risk. You can't write off the, the you know the two that you didn't have. I think in real estate somehow you can. I don't know, I'm mean, again I'm not where's Bob when we need him, but th- I think a lot of the huge write offs that Trump has are because of these clauses that are unique to real estate. 
and I think one of the reasons why he doesn't want to show his tax returns is most people look at that and say, how the, hey, how the hell do you do that? So I think like if when Trump... Well, t- the, the other part of it on the tax returns, too, is that there's always projects that bankrupt. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, and, and that does, that, that's a bad look for somebody, but that's, you know, that's a situation normal in the real estate world. Um, you know, if you do, uh, if you have, you know, a hundred development projects, two or three of them are going to are gonna go, they're not going to work. They're going to go belly up. And the way the, the real estate developers do is they incorporate every project separately. So you may have, you know, the, the Kevin corporations, um, and and uh, and you and, you know I may have all kinds of real estate developments, but you know what? It's really the Kevin project um, at uh, oh pick a pick an intersection um, uh, at, at Wacker in in Madison. You know, so that won't be its own corporation. And if that one goes belly up, so be it. You know, no big deal. We'll just bankrupt that one, but the rest of the corporation remains untouched. It doesn't net against anything else, so it's a total loss, and uh, um, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt you anywhere else. Uh, you know, there's there's got to be a way to charge that against the earnings everywhere else, but it's still a, a, a bankrupted entity. And when people talk about real estate. Uh, you know, a real estate developer has gone bankrupt ten times. Well, that's why. It's because they had a project that didn't work out. Very similar to when um, uh, Romney was at Bain Capital, and they would take over distressed companies and try to do turnarounds. Well, you know, they, they might turn half of them around and have the success stories, and then the other half, um, they wound up, wind up bankrupting, and they know that that's, that's built into their model. They know they're going to have some that fail, um, and that's it. And then, you know, you, you get people who would criticize that and say, well, see how many times uh, their company's bankrupt? Hey, they were going down the chute when they bought them. Yeah. You know, they're just... Well, we had a... So, I mean, that, that's just the nature of the business in that case, uh, is that, you know, there's there's just a lot of double dealing in there. A lot of it is tax code related. A lot of it is to keep profits from one entity from being touched by uh, uh, problems with the others. And I, I think the latter is the bigger part of it is, uh, you know, the, the, so when, when they talk about, they, they talk all the time about people being stiffed, you know, people not getting paid. Yeah, because I bankrupted that project um, and, and I didn't do it. Now, if, do I think that's a good ethical way to do business? Nope. I think it's a terrible way to do business and a rotten way to do business. But that is the way that the business. That's the way a lot of restaurants are done in the commercial real estate development world. That's a lot of way a lot of restaurants are done. When when, when PTI started, our, our biggest client was a gentleman from uh, World War II vet, a uh, gentleman from well, he was from originally Columbus, Indiana, and he, he made it out to, to Scottsdale, and he he was like the second or third biggest developer outside of Keating. And he told me at one point they had twenty five separate partnerships. Going and I, but I think somehow that, that's that's what I was talking about, Kevin. Somehow or another, if people invest in some partnership and you're a piece of it, it goes under. I think I think you can apply as the general. Somehow that loss sticks with you more than it does in trade. And I, we need to get an, an expert, X an expert. We need somebody on to talk about this. Maybe that was changed in the last tax law too. But somehow or another, those losses are getting taken someplace by somebody. Yeah, they're offsetting income in a way. And at, uh, and at the same time, uh, they are leaving people who are owed money um, in the lurch. Um, yeah, and, and that's that's a bleeped up tax code. Well, anybody anybody who uh, <coughs> puts money into a restaurant 
is one of the one of the initial investors. If you ever get money out of there, good luck. Even if the thing is a huge success. I mean, yeah, you, you want to be the managing general partner. Oh God, yeah. You want to be the name on it, who who is the managing general partner and owns about five percent of the whole thing, and everybody else has the risk. The only the only way you uh, do better, and this is a sneaky Chicago way, is if it's an apartment building or something. If you put you know pony up some money for the equity, but in return you get like the security contract or the the phone contract or something, because then all of a sudden you're in. Just saying. <clears throat> S&P futures up down 50. NASDAQ futures down 170. I don't want to talk about that so much. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Your investments will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. 
Low, low one pack stacks and jacks. I'm talking about Andrew on the board. S&P futures down 5250. 5250, yeah. Down again today. NASDAQ futures down 176. Dow futures down 392. So, kind of a big ouch here. Uh, Britain uh, decided they were going to lower their tax rate on the <coughs> upper end people. And uh, it's causing the pound to get hammered, the euro dollar to get hammered. You know, it's causing all kinds of stuff is going into in, in, in motion here. Uh, 10 year rate 3.79. It's up 0.9. 0.09. The bond, same thing. Over 2% now, 2.07%. Again, I don't know what in God's name some of their bonds they have in their on their balance sheet that they bought at negative interest, what those things must be being valued at now, I have no idea, except low. Uh, Japan actually down one basis point to 0.24. Is I think they're they're buying dollars to try and keep the yen down. It, it's it's crazy what these people are doing. Uh, as a way of review, yesterday the Dow was down 107, S&P down 31. NASDAQ down 153. The Dow was up, was not down as much because Johnson & Johnson, United Healthcare, there was a big move up in the healthcare area yesterday, two of which are in the Dow. Actually, Merck was up too, I think. So they, they, the Dow didn't get hit as, as bad as the rest. Over in Europe this morning, the DAX down 332, that's 2.7%. FTSE down 172, 2.4%. CAC around down 131, uh, 2.2%. So big losses across the board. Asia, not as bad. At least on the Nikkei, 159, uh, it's only 0.6%. Shanghai down 20.7%, but get a load of this one again. Hang Seng down 214, 1.2%, under 18,000 now. 17,933, I, I, man, I'm stunned at that number. Uh, oil down 284, $80.65. Recessions aren't good on oil either. Uh, Brent down 276, 87.70. Natural gas unchanged, 708, but more than $2 below where it was two weeks ago. Arbob down a dime, 240. Gold down as well, down 29 bucks, 1651, which has got to be, uh, it's a, it's way uh, below like the last low, it was like 1680 a few months ago. Silver down 57 cents, a big move, 1904. Copper down 13 cents, 333. Let's just say nobody wants anything today. Crypto, Bitcoin down 432, 18,901, kind of in a danger zone there. I don't know if that's the next shoe to fall. Hope not. Uh, and like I said, the dollar is incredible to the upside here. The British pound is uh, is down two sixteenth. I don't think it, it's two percent. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's it's, it's down to a dollar ten. It was a dollar fourteen the other day, and the euro dollar is down to point nine seven. So, ouch on that, Andrew. Andrew, give us some good news. We got for us traffic, weather, sports. Not the socks either. That's no good news there either. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, right now it is six thirty-five in Chicago, Friday the twenty-third. And starting off with the NFL, last night the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. But getting into the MLB, the Cubs did beat the Pirates last night in a 3-2 game. But the Sox were beaten by the Guardians 4-2. And the Diamondbacks also lost to the Dodgers 3-2. Now tonight, hopefully we can see things turn around. Uh, because tonight the Cubs play the Pirates again at 535. The White Sox play the Tigers at 710. And the Diamondbacks play the Giants at 840. Now for weather in Chicago, it is mostly cloudy and chilly at 52 degrees with a high of 65 and a low of 52. And at Phoenix, we got clear skies at 80 degrees with a high of 98 and a low of 78. And then for Chicago traffic, right now we thankfully have no major accidents to report. However, traffic is building as it always does. And right now it's building on the northbound Stevenson between Harlem Avenue and Kedzie. And as well as building on the inbound Dan Ryan starting around 51st Street. Other than that, it's traffic as usual, building as usual. That's all I got. 
Back to you, Chief. Um, Kevin, just as a, two reports here. Reports. Just as the idea of how far we've come on the, I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the S and P here. We are within. We're at 269, 369. Sorry, and I, in the, I think the June low was 367. So we're like right there. So everybody thought we could never go back to the June low. Well, guess what? We're there, and we're really only. I've got us at, uh, on uh, back before before COVID in 220. Right, right about uh, the whole thing when the whole mess started. Say at the end of end of uh, end of uh, end of February, beginning of March, we were roughly um, before we had the big hit on the COVID and we shut everything down. I think we were in the 337 range and we're we're 369 now. So we've given back as the S and P made it up to say 473. We've given back probably 75 percent of the COVID rally. And, and and looking to give back more, uh, and, and we're, we're we 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 could get the June low by Monday at this rate, uh, and it's it, like I said, it's pretty brutal. Now, Major League Baseball, on the other hand, talk about segueing over, just on the sand. It looks like there's only one, only one of the leagues even has a, a fight for the wild card here. Kevin, the American League, it, I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's all over. The, it looks like you've got Yankees winning their division by far. You got Blue Jays and Rays going to the wild card from that division, and then you've got the uh, Mariners going in from that division with the. With well, the, you've got the Blue Jays and the Rays, but Seattle's right there. That's what I'm saying. Well, there's three teams going, right? Yeah. Right. So those yeah, three. Yeah, there's nobody else that really. Uh, well, barring Baltimore, some. Baltimore's not out of it, but they're four games. Yeah. You know, four games out of the wild card. So Baltimore is a possibility. They probably don't have enough time to make it up. No, there are possibilities. And the National League, yeah, looking at it on the National League side, um, you know, Milwaukee's still there, San Francisco's still there. Um, well, the Braves but, are in uh, for sure. Yeah, it's really, you know, Milwaukee's not really there either. I'm going to say no, it's, 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 you know, Philadelphia maybe, yeah, Philadelphia's still in it. Um, so it's Atlanta, San Diego, Philadelphia. Yeah, so, yeah, they're pretty well, they're pretty well decided. Yeah, it looks like two of... Uh, Two or three teams, two of either the Padres, uh, the the Brewers, or the Phillies. Two of those three are going to get in. Isn't it? Uh, there's an extra wild card this year, isn't it? Well, yeah, two of those three because the Braves are in for sure. They got 93 wins. Well, actually, it's the Braves and the Mets are still fighting for first place. Whoever doesn't get first place will will be in the wild card for sure. Because because yeah. they're only two games behind the Mets, actually one and a half behind the Mets, so they could catch the Mets. But I mean, I, I think yeah. But with three teams getting in, it's going to be it's going to be the Braves or the Mets, and then it's going to be uh, San Diego and Philadelphia. I unless the Brewers, Milwaukee has a shot. They're they're two and a half games out of it, so they're, they're going to need some help from either San Diego or Philadelphia. And I think San Diego, if I'm not mistaken, has been pretty hot lately. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, and then the rest of the teams, I mean, it really falls off. <laughs> then everybody else is schlumps. You know, sixty wins. 52 wins the Nationals, 55 mm-hmm. the Pirates, 59 the Reds. I mean, the rest of the teams, it really is the, I don't think I've ever seen it quite split like this in baseball, where it's like nobody in the middle, you're either good or you're not. Yeah. The Cubs are showing us some stuff, though, showing us some, you know, where where they're going to be. Um, a couple, you know, Wes Neske was really good. He's one of their top pitching prospects, and they've, they've been marching out a lot of young guys who have, you know they'll, they'll blow up once in a while. You know it's sort of like when uh, Crash Davis tells Nuke he's going to get lit up uh, for a while. 
they'll go in, they'll get lit up, and then they'll come out the next game and give them a good game. So they're they're showing that they have some. The South Bend Cubs won their league. Yeah, I saw that last they, night. They, they won, they, they're the Midwest champs. I just um, and and there's a, there's a lot of the Cubs, or not a lot. Several of the Cubs' best prospects are parked there right now. It, my my well, there's nothing I can quantify about it, Kevin, because I'm going to talk a little bit more about the market and where you see it. But um, you know, the, the late the late great Bill Wrigley, <laughs> not the son, but the the the, the dad. Uh, you know, his, his idea was, and you know, and again, he's you know. The, the, I don't know if he'd recognize today's world where it's it's all about gambling and appears and it's all about winning. But and his idea was that the, the sport was essentially baseball, and if you're lucky, you're one of the teams that wins four times a century since you got 30 teams versus the ones that win three or two. Yeah, and, except that in his day there were 16 teams. But right, yeah, okay. So and, and the idea that you know it, it's 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 fun to go to the ball game. Is entertainment. You like being there. Yet I watch in mean, the last week or so. I'm going to go to the Triple They got all these games on, so it's not like you know I'm, I'm paging through the thing in my house. But you can't help but notice that there is nobody there, and and, and these tickets, a lot of them are paid for. So I don't know what what has happened, uh, Kevin. Where when I had my tickets, even if the Cubs were out of it, which they were most of the time, if there was a, if there was a game late in the year, I went. I mean, I, I enjoyed going. It was near my home. Uh, you know, it, it was not a big hassle. Uh, you know, I had my ticket, my hot little hand. I'd walk in the door, and if it was, was you know, over by the fifth inning, I left. But the idea, I mean, there, there couldn't have been, how many, was there even 500 people at, at, at the Pirates game last night? I mean, and... Well, th- think of it, Tom. You know, number one, um, it, fa- you know, family entertainment is out on a school night. You're, you're, you're not... You know, you're not going, right. and it's and it is not the, the time investment to go to a Cubs game. It's one thing when you say I live close to it, yeah. But if you live in suburbia, and so now you're going to go to the Cubs game, and by the time you can get out of the area and get home, you know what time is it going to be? Well, I, I get <laughs> it, that. You know, it's what we bitch about with Notre Dame football all the time. You know, if you start the game at three thirty, I'm not getting home till ten. <laughs> well, I, I, what I'm, I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I'm, I'm actually leading you. I'm trying to because what I'm saying is, have we taken the entertainment out of the game by making it three hours and fifteen minutes, which they're going to try and work on next I, year? I think it depends on what you like, but 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 by making it that long, yeah, that's why you're seeing some of the rules changes that are coming in, and and having seen some games now with the the pitch clock because I've been to a few minor league games, that's going to make a big difference. See, I don't I don't think they needed to. To, to get rid of the shift, they should have let the p- pitch clock go for a few years. I think that would have helped the hitting enough to where you know. I, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, I, I don't. I, I didn't think they needed to move the shift anyway. It's just that the hitters have to adjust, and if they don't, then I don't feel sympathy for them. You know, be, uh, losing losing hits to the shift. You know what I? Uh, uh, but you know, because good hitters use the whole field. You know, in in my in my reference of baseball, good hitters use the whole field. So. You know, the only time they, I've played in, in, in any kind of ball, softball, where you where you had a, you had a uh, restriction on where you could stand. This is going to turn out sexist, but that's okay. You can guess now. Well, uh, I, I remember as a kid when you didn't have enough players, you would call right field and out or left. No, field no, no. In, in, the, in the leagues where where you played two girls, like the radio uh-huh. league was, 
or some of the other leagues where you play four, the outfielders have to have to be on the grass. They can't move into the infield. So if you want to be <laughs> some kind of a knucklehead, you could say it. it, it the, the only other shift I ever heard about or a shift being banned is because is when the girls played. You could say that because it's true. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so that's part of it. Yeah. Now there there was one time. Uh, I played in a co-rec game, and uh, the guy who organized it, it was a fundraiser, and the guy who organized it had been the um, uh, softball coach at New Trier. So he got a bunch of his players who were playing college softball. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, you know, if you took the five best players on the team, it's like three of them <laughs> were women. Well, that's the, as, as we played year after year. There's how you play co-rec. Oh, yeah. That's how you do it, darn it. <laughs> Well, as, as we you played, the ringers. Well, as we played year after year in the, uh, in the in the Horner Park League, and then we played in the tournament at the end of the year. We had to recruit other girls because it was four. That's quite a difference, by the way. Two two versus four. Um, the uh, oh, I I, I did a, a a work league over here um, where um, you had to be half and half, and you had to alternate in the batting order. Really? Yeah, you had to alternate men and women. Well, the only the only thing they did to that, if you walked the guy in. And four pitches or three pitches, you start a one-on-one count. Uh, the girl got first base too. Yeah, that, that was that was one of the rules yeah. too. Yes, you're right. So but you, could, uh, you couldn't just say I'm going to walk the guy to get to the woman. Yeah, great, great story too, because um, because we had a terrible team, um, and uh, you know I, I remember having conversations with them like, you know, if we have a chance to get our first win. Do you want me to sub and make sure everybody plays, or do you want do you want us to do this? And, and you know, this was kind of a recreational thing. So they said, no, no, everybody should get to play. So, oh, this is a know, it was really, really hard for me a couple of times to you know be as competitive as I am to oh, yeah. say, okay, I'm taking this person out and putting someone else in. But we got to our last game of the year, and and it was two teams with one win, and so you know the loser was going to finish last, and we only had. You know, like the minimum number of players. So, you know, so even I had to play in my old age. Um, but, uh, but we wound up winning the game three to two, and we wound it because uh, we we had this one uh, young woman who was like one of my favorite people I've ever worked with. Her name is Mallory, and Mallory was one of those. You know, she she had never played softball before that year, and you know, but but this was just her. It was her at work. It was her playing softball. Whatever it was, you you just say, Mallory, you want to give this a try? And so you say, Yep, let's go for it. So, so she was she was very very bad. You know, she was just she couldn't hit. Um, but we won three to two. Mallory scored two of the runs. Oh, she yeah. had the force field up that day. They could not throw her a strike. <laughs> and, and but but for the winning run, she got on base. Uh, there, there were uh, two outs. A guy was coming up who was a good hitter, and then after him was another one of the women who was very highly unlikely to get a hit. So. I, I didn't mean it literally, but essentially I said, uh, Mallory, when he gets a hit, you don't stop running. Well, we had a... Uh, so he, got an in, he got an infield hit. We had a he somewhat, did not stop running. God. We, we had <laughs> she rounded uh, second, went to third. The guy was so surprised, he uncorked the throw over the third baseman's head, and she scored the winning run. Oh, okay. Star of the game. Well, uh, two quick ones. You, you wouldn't believe who uh, my catcher was. Two years when we were on, when we did, we we're still with the score. It was April Rose, the it girl from the Girl of the Year in Maxim Magazine twice? Oh, nice catcher! Nice, 
<laughs> Let's just say some of the batters were somewhat distracted. Um, she didn't want to. She didn't want to cover home plate at all, right? Because she wanted the ball coming at her. But she would hit the ball. Kevin, if she wasn't an, an, extan- an outstanding model, the girl could have ran track. I don't think anybody in the team, even the guys, were as fast as her. She hit like. Oh, I imagine watching her run was kind of glorious. Oh, it was. Too. It was special. Uh, but <laughs> get a load of this, Maddie. Was before his current lovely bride, uh, who we all love, his girlfriend before. Um, let's just say uh, Jill's a huge step up. Uh, I love Jill. The other one, eh, you know, but she was. An ex- so Jill can hit. No, saying. I'm saying the other one was an exceptional softball player. She played college ball somewhere. So all of a sudden, she and Maddie are out. <laughs> so the team is like, well, should we do we, we pick the above-average center fielder, Matt, <laughs> or the exceptional girl second baseman? <laughs> it was all kind of tongue-in-cheek. Should, should we dump Maddie and keep the girl? <laughs> we <ended up> Easy <laughs> call. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up keeping Maddie. He met Jill. She became our catcher. Um, she was terrific, and uh, uh, so all's well that ends well. But <laughs> we, you know, but anyway, that that was the shift, and it was fun because. Uh, but as the years went by, everybody's girls got better. They all played ball. They played a lot more ball, and uh, and to the point where you know you had girls in the outfield, which you never even dreamed of. You know, when we first started, you was you know was catcher and maybe maybe second base and maybe first base. You know, maybe, and because uh, they got to wear a mitt and the guys didn't, so you could put my, my niece. It was a real good athlete. She could play first base real easy. She's lefty, and she could hit. You know, so she actually could. You know, if they came in on her, she could she could hit it out there far enough. I mean, not not like a guy can, but still, she could hit the ball on the line, and she was you know could always hit the ball. But uh, yeah, it was it was fun watching every year. And some of these teams were the leagues where you play four girls. They've got four girls that played college ball. I mean, they're, they're serious players. You know, they're playing third base and like right field or yeah. something. You know, it's it, I mean it's amazing how all right. Kevin, we stopped talking about the market. Well, one, one, one more yeah. story. i got to tell you one more story, though. This is, you know, managing a, a work team is just, it, it's such a joy. We did not, uh, we did not do screen, drug screening for hiring people at the time. We eventually did. But, uh, but if you got in an accident in the warehouse, then you immediately got sent for a drug test. Really? So I lost a really, really good left fielder to, <laughs> to that scenario. God. Well, went for the drug test, tested positive. Got fired. I'm out a good left fielder, and it was it was one of the women, and she was a really good left fielder. And so you, yeah. you know, you just don't have that many women who can really play ball on your team, and she could. Well, we always were radio. You know, it was always uh, GN and you know the score, and everybody was in this league. And all of a sudden, these stations started to you know weenie out. All of a sudden, the score didn't even have a team anymore. You know, and when Stacks and Jacks, we were we were always in the last. We were always in the championship game, and one out of three times we won. Because you know, one team always kind of ringed up a little bit. Anyway, the uh, so all of a sudden this team enters and they're right right by where Bradley Place up there where WGN. They're not they're not in the radio at all. They're in. They had some video game where the place made like a fortune. But the team, I mean, I, can I say this on the air? And it, it was Nerd Central. I mean, it was absolutely Nerd Central. And they had a couple of girls were decent, and the guy who ran the team was decent. The other guys. They were I don't know, I don't know what they were doing out there, Kevin. It was, just, it was like, it was like you'd, you'd you'd whack one at the left fielder, and the the guy he wouldn't even deflect it with his hand. It hit him right in the chest, and I was I was afraid of stopping the guy's heart for God's sake. And the, and the manager the manager's telling me and they they got clobbered the fifth inning. They never went past the fifth inning. So the manager says to me, you know, we actually have a few good guys, but 
everybody wants to come out here. We get 18 people out here. You say, geez, you know, uh, you ever played softball? I don't care. I'm coming out, and I'm playing everybody 20s. He goes, everybody loves it. We go to the bar afterwards. He goes, we don't care. They don't care if they get clobbered. They never played any sports in their life, and it shows. I mean, you know what? you, you got to love them. <laughs> got to love them, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it, it works. It works when um, when you uh, have a, a team full of people who want to operate that way. And it works when you have a team full of people who take it way too seriously, which is what I always enjoyed the most. But it doesn't work when you have a combination. Of oh, no, without a doubt. That, then it's no fun for anybody. No, it's so, well, I'm not big on people. Well, some of these games now are really late. But if it's a 6.30 game, you don't have to be drinking during the game, in my opinion. I've never had a drink during the softball Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Well, it, it's, it's a bad idea anyway. Yeah. It's a good way to get hurt. You, you get plenty of time afterward. But, all right, we got to... In our sea of red here, uh, Kevin, what, what, how far are we doing? I mean, obviously the retail people are panicked. We've got so many stocks that were everybody's darlings. The one I'm looking at, I look at every day is NVIDIA because so many people and some of the, the, uh, the accounts I've looked at have got this stock. And uh, same thing with this Apple. We've got somebody who's got massive amounts of Apple that basically told one of our managers, All right, I said, it'll never trade under 170. Well, here it is, 150. I mean, there's these, these things are cathedrals, Kevin, and and I, you know, at this point, it's really hard to say sell now or buy puts now. But this these are this is unforced errors on a lot of people. I mean, you, you don't you don't have to be losing this kind of money. I mean, what, I don't get the devotion. The, 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 these these stacks were pumped up by money. People thought it was all them. It was all them picking the right stacks. It never was. And now, now the money is at least even threatened to come out or coming right back down. To me, it's it's. You know, uh, it's how much? How much of the Apple stuff do you think is people just saying that company can't miss? And how much of it is that uh, people use Apple technology and they just love it so? Much? A little bit of that, a yeah. little bit of both. Plus, the company has so much cash that they are insulated. I mean, the hundred and fifty dollars. I you know I, I I could do the math here, but. Uh, um, actually, I could put that project on to Andrew. Uh, you know, how many, how many shares outstanding, how much cash do they have? I, I'll bet they got 30 to $40 a share cash somewhere in there, don't they? It's got to be that much. But, I mean, so there's there's a buffer there. Uh, but this idea that, you know, all of a sudden everything is going to be okay here, right? I, I, it's going to be someday, Kevin. I know that. But I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, we're not going to have a couple more days like this. And now... If, if, you know, if you get some some outer shock, like crypto goes down or something, what, what's happening? What you have to look at yourself today is, if if you and I, you know, had three million bucks and we bought Apple stock five years ago, and now we got you know twenty million bucks, if it was all cash, no margin, and we decide to ride it out, probably in f- three four years, we're maybe it was the right decision. You know, we're in for the long term, and we're not we're not trying to time things. Okay, and it's it's our shtick, but. If you have this margin loan on all this stuff, and all of a sudden you're getting a call today saying, "Hey, at this level, you got to," I mean, I got to believe there's margin loans on this. Yeah, pony up. Yeah, pony yeah, up or sell. Yeah, pony up or sell. And I mean, that now all of a sudden this becomes. But what? But what you find in the uh, in the in the when you deal with clients, Kevin, yeah, I'll talk out of school here a little bit, is if somebody comes to you with a, with a these are this was the basis of my clientele years ago. I mean, people would listen on the radio. They'd show up. The husband and wife would show up with their 401k. Inevitably, it was between 800000 and a million and a half because that's what the number would be if you did that your whole 
career, most companies IRA did the same thing. So you're somewhere in there. And people would want to say, okay, let's shift the 401k, retiring, give you the money in a protected program, fine. This was all during the 90s. We did all this. It's the base of our, of our firm. And, uh, you know, basically blue-collar people, families. And it was all in that. But it was like a million bucks. And, and we protected it, so we never really were down or never really down very much. This, we, this is really tough to trade when it just goes down every single day because you're protected, but as you roll down, you end up, you're going to lose some. So if, if the market's losing four, you're losing one, you know, which is, it's not fun to lose at all. But now if it bounces back up, you know, we should, we should, it should is an operative word, get virtually everything back real quick. But it, it doesn't look like it's going to bounce, or certainly not today. And, uh, but what ends up happening is if, if somebody doesn't have that, say they just plunk a million and a half dollars somewhere, and, and all and they say, well, we're in for the long term. But now it's down to, say, a million one. One of the two, you could say it'll be the wife, but it, not always. One of the two is going to say, hey, we can live on a million one. We can't live on 800. We better get the bleep out because we, we can't afford to lose any more than this. That, the, the mentality is more like that, Kevin. And unless you've dealt with these people for 40 years like I have, you don't, you don't realize, yeah, we've got a million five. We can live on a mill back when they paid interest. Well, now it gets down to a mill, you go, I don't want my money at risk anymore because I need the mill no matter what. So you ask yourself, why do people, you know, why sh- if you liked it at a million, million and a half, the market, you should really love it at a mill, right? But that's not the way people think because the money's there for a purpose. And now the purpose is, is, is wobbling at a mill where at a million and a half you had some give. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And, so, you know, what you're saying is that, you know, there's there's the economic decision, but there's the human factor. Yes. It's the way humans, humans think and react to things. And and they are not always the same. No, they're not always the same. In fact, they may not often be the same. Well, then you also have the, the you know, the, the people that stare at this stuff all day long, which you didn't have 30 years ago, where if it's running up, the phones are ringing, why aren't we in heavier? It's going up. And now, you know, today we haven't had too many, but, you know, there's going to be some calls... You know, why didn't, have, why didn't we have more puts? Why, why didn't you guys sell everything two weeks ago or something? That's not what you wanted to do. I mean, it, it's, it, it's much more difficult with that type of a client because they, they inevitably want, those are the people that, that will buy the top and sell the bottom constantly. And, that's, you, know, and you don't want to do that. I mean, you just don't want to do that. And you know, that's why I think you, you need to protect. I mean, ask yourself, Kevin. Right now the, the VIX is uh, pushing 30. So it's 29. Uh, the cost of insurance is higher now than it was three weeks ago. Why is that? We're down so much. <laughs> it should be less, right? But it's not. People are more worried now, down 20% than they were two weeks ago or a month ago. Well, isn't that a demand issue? Well, yeah. But, I'm, you know, but I say... <laughs> yeah, now I want insurance. But no matter, no matter what, I'd rather own NVIDIA at 122 than 140 two days ago, right? Unless I had it at 140 and I'm down 18 bucks. That it's a whole different story then. But a lot of this inter- intertwines. It's like that's why it's like sports. It's like business. It's all people, right? And people react different ways to everything. Anyway, take care of yourself. What do you think? Uh, uh, Colin is zero for one. He thought the, uh, the the I didn't really. Where do these guys get these stats that uh, Mike Tomlin has has covered on the road as an underdog eighty percent of the time since he's been a coach? How do you even find that stuff out? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, that's that's how big data analytics works. 
Well, he's, what do you think about the uh, his, his big bet on the Irish tomorrow? Uh, you know what? It, it'll be interesting because um, the the Irish have had a crappy offense and uh, a decent defense, and uh, and and so far against very weak competition, North Carolina has had a very strong offense and a, a ridiculously weak defense. So you know, if the if the Irish are ever going to get their offense going, tomorrow's going to be the day it happens. Well, they against was it the team they played last week? Then the final was a what 108 points and the. And his point is the over-under is ridiculously low tomorrow at 55. Well, of course, the game will be like 20 to 10 or something. But Yeah, so we'll see. I we'll mean, see. you know, North Carolina damn near lost to Appalachian State. Yeah. You know, it was like an end-of-the-game play. So. Well, didn't they score 30 I, points? I don't know. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, of, personally, of Marcus Freeman, so I really want him to succeed. So with my heart, I'm going to say go for the Irish. <laughs> well, you're, you're betting the over it was the bet, not the Irish. I understand. Yeah. All right. S&P Futures. Hey, we're rallying only down 47. Nasdaq Futures down 154. Be right back with Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
There's something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jackson. I'm Tom Howell. Andrew on the board. SB Futures rallying here to only being down 45. We're down 52, 53 for a while. SA Futures down 144. Still, every, everything, on the screen, everything on the screen except the U.S. dollar is red. Everything. Gold, oil, you name it. Carl, what do you make of this, buddy? What's, what's the word? Well, the word is leverage. Yeah. And to be a little bit more, uh, I mean, that's a one that's a one word answer. The uh, few more word answer is uh, that exponents are a B word. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when they turn against you, and yeah, you know we've we have done this for oh, what is it now? Uh, you know, thirty or forty years since coming out of the nineteen eighties, and it used to be that we accepted business cycles. We dealt with the fact that uh, the business cycle existed for a good reason. There was nothing wrong with it. That one of the things that the cycle did was clear out the bad ideas because the people who had the bad ideas had this nasty way of going bankrupt when it turned on them. And so what you end up with, though, is, you know, everybody screams about that when it happens. It's this is the same same sort of thing that uh, that I've made a lot of noise about over the years with the government refusing to go after antitrust and things like this. Is that their argument is always, and, and this is formal doctrine within the DOJ now. We can't do that because it'll put too many people out of work. Okay. Well, the whole point of putting all those people out of work is that they were that they were cheating, and that's how they made their money. Is is bad. If you put them out of work, yes, it, it produces unemployment on a temporary basis. But what it also does is it allows somebody like me or someone else to come in and buy their assets for pennies on the dollar. And now I have a, a plant that costs me uh, $10 million to buy, but it costs the other poor SOB $100 million to build. And therefore, I'm more competitive than he was, just because my capital cost is lower. Well, well, that's good, right? I mean, now when I start assembling cars or alternators or whatever it is, um, I have a lower cost of inputs, and therefore my prices can be lower, and yet I can produce the same quality product as the other guy down the road. Well, I, I think the me from my my background, I. If somebody goes belly up, which happens, uh, I think it behooves whoever is getting rid of the stuff to not rig the system. I'm not saying you're part of that. Uh, not rig the system where somebody gets it on ten cents on the dollar when the real price should have been seventy-five. Well, you know, I just, I just, I, th- I think it's rather interesting that when I when I look at back at my own business experience running an internet company in a hyper-competitive environment. Okay, when, when the internet was new, when especially internet access for ordinary schlubs was very new, we had a literal hundred competitors within our market area. A literal hundred. All right, I mean, you think about that. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I mean, my God, that's, you know, that's worse than the local pub that has, you know, that has four more places to get drunk within walking distance. Um, and yet, we, part of the reason we did as well as we did was that I took advantage of other people's stupidity 
and and you know, for example, we had office space in Two Prudential that we got because a former tenant blew up and walked out literally in the middle of the night and basically told the people that owned the building, "Go ahead, and sue us. Good luck. We're bad. You know, we're broke." Yeah. Well, that's well, that's <laughs> okay, happening well, now. We needed to fill the space, and we had cash, and so we got a very attractive five-year lease that I, I could have never negotiated well, that yeah. without that backdrop of the other event happening. It never would have happened. No, no, that's not what I'm talking you, You're describing a, 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 a business-like sort of a, you know, where prices go up and be down, and you just happen to be a buyer when prices were down. It, that that I'm... That I'm 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 seriously okay with, but I uh, well, no I was yeah. I was a buyer because I was a buyer when prices were down. But the reason prices were down was because somebody else did something stupid. Well, what I, yeah, what I, we were talking about two different things. Like sometimes we do. I was uh, for whatever reason, Carol, because I was you know I was around when it happened, and I've been kind of you know changing my views on Volker sort of along the way too as I've studied some of it. Have you ever done any reading on the Resolution Trust? If anybody hasn't done any reading on the res- uh, Resolution Trust, my advice is please don't. Because if you ever want to get really pissed off <laughs> oh, <laughs> at, your, yeah. at your government and how things work, I tell you, and this is not new crap, Carl. I mean, they had all they had a gazillion properties out there, and if you were, if you had the right last name or whatever, whatever it was, not only did the government lend you 80 percent of the money to go out and buy this stuff on the cheap that they were auctioning off, if you really knew the right people. They gave you the twenty percent uh, equity from which you could show to get the other eighty percent on top of it, if you were the right people. So it was a, it was a massive shift from people that used to own stuff to new people that now owned all their stuff at twenty cents on the buck. That's not right. that's not what you're describing, Carl. You're talking about no, no, no. I, because those were those were shotgun weddings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and the government was the one holding the shotgun. Right. So I mean the the thing is is that you know forced forced errors if you will by some external policy are not the same thing as somebody doing something stupid getting in the shoot right. because they were dumb. Right, and I, mean, I could see a building. I mean, right now downtown here, I mean, if somebody walked in with cash and said, "Look, I'll take this floor. You're going to get it one hell of a lot cheaper than the person." Who signed the lease five years ago or three years ago? There's no doubt about that. Oh, what? absolutely. And you know what? But but see, here's I, th- I think this is the key point. Allowing that to happen and not interfering with it, which is which you know is of course all we do nowadays is interfere with it. Not interfering with that is one of the the primary ways that the common wheel for everybody out there, the common benefit happens. And it is one that we we have studiously avoided making a, a, a thing out of, and, and we need to stop doing that. We need to tell people the truth that you know the the entire reason that you had the sort of advancement during those years in internet service is because people like myself, and I wasn't the only one that was able to take advantage of other people's stupidity, or everybody else in the business was doing it too. We. <laughs> We did that, and that's why you had what you had. Well, virtually every time there's there's massive progression in in a inventive mindset and in new products and everything. There's always people who who had the ideas that ended up getting ended up with the credit, right? Oh yeah, and and you know what? There's also always somebody back there, some schlub who blew it, and somebody else stood on their dead body. Oh, got you. And, and you know, it's it's funny because 
around here right now, if you want internet access, basically your only option, and I mean, the, the degeneracy and the provision of access to individual people is, is, over the last 20 years has been astounding. Right now, the only realistic option, um, well, I mean, you know, the, the, the Musk tries to clean star like this one. But it's an oligopoly, basically, because your option is the cable company, yeah. right? And so, you know, Musk has his Starlink thing, which I can't get here, even if I wanted it. I'm not sure that I would. Uh, but then in addition, now you have T-Mobile, which is selling these. So it's basically a Wi-Fi box that's got a cellular link in it and sits in your house. I can't get it right here because the signal's not good enough. But but so for essentially, for essentially all purposes, I have one choice, and that's Spectrum. Okay, great. So now, the the power company that serves this area has said they are starting the build of fiber along their rights of way, which is the essential element that prevents anybody else from getting into that business, is that you have to be able to get access to the rights of way to run your stuff. They're going to bring gigabit fiber to every house within their service area over the next couple of years for $50 a month, which is... 30% less than what I'm paying for a third of the speed. Yeah, we're, we're getting that in our neighborhood. AT&T does not have a, a cable deal, uh, but they're going to, they want me to do a, their wireless uh, $50 a month for like some incredible speed that I don't need. And uh, Well, but, uh, but I mean, you know, so, so we want to talk about better, faster, cheaper, okay, a third less money and three times the performance. Yeah, how much do well, they have to pay bet, off to you get can the, bet everybody's going to be all over that the day it becomes available. <laughs> well, some people are locked into the cable. I mean, what I, what I, what I should do is is, is, is go into streaming uh, DirecTV. I mean, I'm not doing an ad for them, but it appears if I did that, it would be cheaper. But I, what I'm, I, uh, I'm saying that the competition, though, it, the, it took a while for uh, RCN to get access to the right. Right away is either the, you know, it's the alley. It's going to be, it's it's up on the, or underground, or it's a railroad thing, or some place where there's underneath the street. I mean, it's hard to get that, and, you, and you're probably paying people off in cities like Chicago to get that, because obviously RCN is not happy about it, right? I mean, uh, or yeah. Well, I mean, but this is you know, this is one of the things that we just kind of go there um, with, with uh, you know, with our society generally is that we we have stopped letting the market apply those corrective pressures and we have deliberately interfered with that especially over the last 20 years to a tremendous degree anybody that thinks that that the sort of nonsense that has been built up in the in the corporate world as a result of of this interest rate suppression um since since 2000 in particular and especially since uh, 29 you know 2008 Anyone that thinks that that was sustainable on a, on a forward basis is crazy. It, it absolutely was not. And, and you know, we've hidden a lot of this. Um, you know, when your thesis turns out to not be right, you have to go look at why, which is where I, I figured out that, hey, it's the trade sequestration that's made this BS possible over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Well, that's now unwound. And, and we killed it by interfering in 20, 2014, we caused all this dust up over in Europe and Ukraine. We, we're the reason it happened. And we need to stop, you know, maybe paying around of what actually occurred there. We caused it, period. And so that's that's the truth. Um, 
we don't want to face that because that gets very, very uncomfortable. Uh, but now, in an attempt to maintain a stupid thing that we started all the way back then, with by the way, the same people are still involved. Victoria's still out there making her, you know. Okay, fine. But now in an attempt to maintain that, what we've done is we've destroyed the trade sequestration that made possible hiding all this stuff with the inflationary impact of all this crazy deficit spending. For the last 20 years, it's gone. Well, it's a big problem everywhere. It's a massive problem. I, I, uh, I don't know what, but you know, we're, I don't know how much you listen to uh, Talking Head TV, uh, or Comedy Central, uh, CNBC or whatever. All everybody in there who's younger, and I say younger, uh, you know, in their thirties, you know, especially maybe it's just because their their voices are higher. Seeming like especially, especially the ladies, they are absolutely convinced that that they're entitled to zero interest rates or one percent. They 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 think oh. that three and a half is is insane. The thought of somebody actually getting money for putting your money into the bank, they they don't even they don't even think that that's a, a starter. Why why should you? And I, you and I are going to say, why should I ever give my money to somebody to use to use for their profit and not give me some? I mean, it seems like we, we've really, un, I don't know, miseducated an entire generation here, for God's sake. You know, it's it, it, the idea that time, I, I think the biggest and most insidious element of this is that it has destroyed the fact, or at least tried to, that time has value. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. But I mean, that's the if if you think about it, the reason that you the reason you you have to pay somebody money, a, a real in real terms, a positive rate of interest, and, and anything else is stupid to borrow, is because time is never free. It is the one thing that no human being will ever get back. Well, yeah. I don't. And so, but but we have built an entire generation, chief, of, of people who don't believe this anymore. No. I mean, the idea when I when I, people will talk about mortgage rates and whatever. And I, one thing that I, I I'm so thankful, Carl, that I had this one class, and it wasn't the Milton Friedman, George Stigler guys. I mean, I learned a lot from them too, and really, I couldn't believe my lucky stars. I was actually in class with those guys, Stigler even more than than Friedman. But this the the course that probably set the most in my mindset, good or bad, was the history of economic thought. Now, everything is is so basic, and you always got to go back. To the basics, this bank does this. This bank, okay, wait a minute. This is what a bank is supposed to do. They're supposed to take the money from the people who have extra money that really are not either talented enough, active enough, or don't want to run around and find investments themselves. They're going to give their money to somebody else. This this person aggregates some of the dough in the same neighborhood, the same area, whatever. Does gives out the car loans, does the stuff, and and they get a fee for doing that. And one guy pays six and the other guys get three and a half and the guy in the middle has the building the people and and by the way eats some of the losers and then he gets two and a half it makes sense for everybody carl and and, and if you start going any other i mean the numbers can change a little bit if you start to get off that racket oh wait a minute you're never going to get anything by the way i got a boatload in the middle and these other people are paying 12 that dog doesn't hunt for very i mean i think that's what you just said i mean it doesn't make any sense right and if things don't make sense i don't think they 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 last forever. They can last for a while, especially when governments are involved. I mean, this time, oh, it, 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 you know, it, it's. It, do you remember that Bernanke told Congress famously after the the, the two thousand seven crash? 
one of its Humphrey Hawkins, you know, grillings, quote unquote. Which, which of course, the, the question that they never asked him, even though I faxed it to every single member of Congress when it, when it actually happened, was you just testified that you were adding liquidity into the mall of the Lehman collapse and the, and the stock market crash that it produced. Why is it that the that your own New York Fed report says you took sixty billion dollars on the market that day that it occurred? What do you think the answer to that is? Well, I, I, I could you could you explain to me how that's not perjury, please? Well, that's <laughs> you know they, they don't they don't have any. The rules are not for them. The rules are not. If you like somebody, you don't quit. This whole I mean, my my attorney buddies tell me. What do they call it? Uh, prosecutorial license or, or discretion or whatever it is. Discretion, yeah. You know, whatever it is. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, you know, you know, why why the drug companies never? Would last time they were in front of Congress, they didn't think they didn't think cigarette smoking was bad for you. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean all these guys. I mean, Jamie Dimon, all those people last couple of days. If you if you took apart what they said word for word, how much of that is is? I won't say a lie, a spin. It's something. It's something in there. It, well, well, just take a look. Just take a look at Pfizer's. CEO Barula, who who said in public, well, this is the, the chief executive of the company uh, in the in the early part of uh, of 2021, that if you take these shots, you absolutely 100 percent efficacy of preventing you from getting COVID. When I 100 percent, he didn't say he didn't say we think. He said I have data that says. That they are one hundred percent effective. Well, that was BS. He never had that data. His own trials from the fall of twenty twenty said that that was not true. The statistical uncertainties were too wide, and yet he made this statement, and it was it was that which formed the entire premise for forcing people to do this, which of course made them a lot of money, right? Because of course they got to sell the stuff because. That was the entire premise behind all these mandates: was that you taking it would mean that your your next door neighbor, your grandmother, whatever, would not get sick because right. you couldn't give it to her. Right. That was a complete load of garbage. The only basis that w- that ever existed for using these things was that you that your personal benefit was greater than your personal risk. Okay, which is I mean, there's always risk with any drug. I don't care what it is. Aspirin has risks. So. But that's a separate evaluation. There's no pu- there's no public mandate that you can find in reducing people's personal risk. If there was, you couldn't have more than two beers at the bar. Well, I every, all the stuff that we read, you know, we were flying back and forth, and I had listeners that were sending me studies from Korea and places. That was obvious to us from the get go, Carl. That that if you were in an area, I mean, if you were certainly nursing home people, yeah, you wanted to run those vaccines there as fast as you could. Uh, but it had to do with it had to do with you personally, and it, it didn't stop you from giving. And and they were never and they were never tested to be like that. I read some of the first right studies. That's but, the, the original trials were yeah. were not designed to prove that. No, they were not. And I'm not saying they were wrong in doing that, but they they were trying to stop people from dying. And, and, right, and which you know, which is fine. Yeah. Okay. I have no quarrel with that. What I have a quarrel with is this. The entire purpose, so, you know, it wasn't just a monetary thing just from the standpoint of adults. The entire point behind this was created by the perversity of our government structures surrounding vaccines and the medical system in general that relates to them, which is that the only way that you could maintain the liability shield outside of emergency authorization 
is for a vaccine to end up on the recommended schedule for children. And that is, that is a result of the corruption that occurred back in the 1970s with the DTP shots. And that's why we have VAERS and we have the NCJIA, which is the basically a lottery system where all of the vaccine makers pay a tax per, you know, per shot. And any kind of injuries that happen get compensated out of this fund. That's the, that's the, the, the scheme that Congress put together to deal with that. The reason that the problem happened in the 1970s was that the pharmaceutical industry had garbage for quality control and had a, put a bunch of shots out there, some of which did absolutely nothing. The kids got sick anyway. And the others, which had way too much stuff in it and physically harmed the people who got them, mm. the parents got mad and sued, as you would expect, when somebody has garbage quality control. And, and, and that insurance coverage became unavailable for this stuff. And the... the you know, the pharmaceutical companies went to Congress and said, look, if you don't, cut, if you don't stop us from being responsible for our screw-ups, we're going to withdraw all the stuff from the market and there's going to be millions of kids that die. That's just right. Well, that's, but that's what happened. Yeah. And, you know, and nobody wants to go back to look at this and say, okay, so you embedded corruption into the system. Now you've got the consequences of corruption. Everybody's all bent on shape about it. Well, who you bent on shape at? The people you ought to be bent on shape at are the people sitting in Washington D.C. Well, they're, they, they, it seems like they're never, they're never on top of their game. They're always, they're always behind. They're always. That's what really makes me wonder. I mean, with the Fed. I mean, I can argue about their policy all that. I mean, I can criticize it and whatever. And I have, and I have the basis of. Actually, you know what, Carl? I'm not going to say I have hindsight on this one. I, I predicted all this. This is straight out of, of out of monetary theory handbook. But I, this whole, this whole. I don't trust them to not to to under to to see the next thing coming. Now, oh, right. I mean, I I don't I don't trust them to keep their eye on dollar-denominated Chinese debt, which Dan was talking about the other day that he thinks that's a real problem, especially with the the yuan going down versus with the dollar going up like this. Everyone's got to pay interest in 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 in, in dollars. Has got a problem worldwide, right? Well, listen, chief, borrowing money in somebody else's currency. Is, is adding a multiplicative leverage effect to your transaction without that you a do doubt. not control. Without That's a doubt. nuts. It's nuts. Well, I mean, we so, I don't know if you listened uh, yesterday, Lou was talking about being in uh, Eastern Europe, Czechoslovakia, there were places he's never been, and I'll bet, you know, I mean, I'm sure those people were happy to hear stories from Lou and everything. And he was saying he went to some factories that have, that have been going since the 1700s, that if the energy thing gets any worse, they're going to all have to close. I mean, they're, they're done. Everybody over there is done. Yeah, I mean, I, all those people over there are done. And, and here's the thing: once you shut those plants down, so people don't. A lot of people don't understand this. You take, for example, an aluminum plant. Okay, that takes the ore and you know turns it into aluminum sheets or or whatever, or a steel plant for that matter. You shut that thing down, and the heat treating that is part of the entire line is lost. You, you can't do this and then a week later turn around and say, oh, we'll just turn it back on. It doesn't work that way. No. You have to go through and refurbish everything that was part of that line because thermal stability is a big part of, of all of this. You can't cycle these things on or off. No, you can't. Well, even even a place like Pullman, it took you 200 years or 150 years to get every machine in the place and 
all kinds of stuff in the blacksmith shop. Right. You can't get rid of that stuff and say, oh, well, what do you say we start building some railroad cars? We're well, like, with what? <laughs> we don't have the people, we don't have the machines. With what? Our hands? Well, I, well that's the thing. So people, people do not understand that once, once you do this, once you put yourself in that box, getting out of it is going to take years. Yeah, and, I, and you're probably going to do it without that factory. Well, but you know what? How, what are you going to do without that factory? Where do you think that production is going to come from? You, you want to have the ability to build cars and trains and, well, so the place and, and aircraft engines and things like that without the aluminum? Well, the, uh, what he, was, he, he was talking about like places that have done uh, porcelain artwork and porcelain this and that and, and real fine, real, real nice stuff like that. You just won't have it. I mean, nobody's going to start that yeah, from scratch. Yeah, it's not going to be there. That's right. SP futures are down 45, Nasdaq futures down 142. Come back, Carl. Let's try and work through some of the the bombs here, and uh, and, and whether or not uh, you know we can we can dodge them. And also, what's your prediction if uh, we come in Monday morning and we find out Putin's been been deposed? Uh, well, how much is the market up? <laughs> Get that prediction. Oh. Your prediction after the break. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. 
Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Giants. I'm Tom Almas. Randrew on the board. SP Futures, eh, so much for the little rally. Now we're down 49. We got down, we only down 42. NASDAQ Futures down 155. Dow Futures down 343. Like I said, there is not, usually no matter what, there's something on my, my, my screen that's in the in the green, but not today. And uh, the Dow, just one, one after another. I'll just give you a little bit of an example. American Express down 284. Apple down 273. Boeing down 3. Caterpillar down 380. Chevron Texaco down 420, Disney down 204. I mean, it's just relentless. Home Depot down 388. Uh, go through some of that with Carl when we when we uh, get off the schneid here. Uh, Bonds uh, up five basis points, 3.76. Bund up five basis points, over two, 2.03. Boy, never thought I'd see that. For the years we spent below zero in this thing. Japan uh, unchanged 2.24. Although I think they're spending a lot of money doing the currency markets, trying to keep that rate there. I'm not sure that's a good trade on their part. Matter of fact, I think it probably isn't. Uh, Dow yesterday down 107, S&P down 31, Nasdaq down 153. The Dow was helped out by the stocks in the healthcare industry: Johnson and Johnson, Merck, United Healthcare. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from, but that, that's what helped them out. Dax today down 275, 2.2%. FTSE down 135, 1.9%. CAC around down 110, 1.9. Over in Asia, we've got Nikkei down 159.6%. Shanghai down 20, that's 0.6%. Uh, Hang Seng down 214, another 1.2. These guys every day relentless. Now under 18,000, 17,933. Australian stocks are down nearly 2%. Pretty much carnage all around there. Oil uh, down 248. Ouch, ouch, that's 3%. 81.01. Brent down 232, 88.14. Natural gas down a penny, 7.07. Arbob uh, down 12 cents, 239. Uh, we've got gold down 24, that's a percent and a half, 16.56. Silver down 53, 2.7 percent, that's 19.08. Copper down 13 cents, 3.33. Copper's been getting hammered. Uh, crypto, uh, Bitcoin down to below 19,000 now, down 448, 18.85. And the big, big, real big news here is the, the euro dollar is down to 9.975. And the British pound, after they decided to lower taxes and go to some kind of a trickle-down economic thing, which Joe Biden immediately said was a, it doesn't ever work, and I'm going to agree with him on that. Uh, the British pound is down to 110. 110. It's, uh, that's really something. Andrew, give us traffic, weather, and sports, but give us some good news. No, you can't. No, nothing in sports is good news. Yeah, trying to do my best over here with the good stuff. Um, but it is 7.35 in Chicago, Friday the 23rd. And in sports, uh, last night and Thursday night football, the Browns beat the Steelers 29-17. And for a little bit of good news, it's the Cubs did beat the Pirates last night in a 3-2 game, but not good for Sox fans as the Sox were beaten by the Guardians 4-2. And for the Diamondbacks, they also lost to the Dodgers 3-2. But now hopefully y'all they can all make a comeback tonight because tonight the Cubs play the Pirates again at 535, the White Sox play the Tigers at 710, and the Diamondbacks play the Giants at 8.40. Now for Chicago weather, 
That's good news if you like it cool, because right now it's mostly cloudy and chilly at 53 degrees, with a high of 65 and a low of 52. For Phoenix weather, it's clear at 78 degrees, with a high of 98 and a low of 78. For Chicago traffic, there are still no major accidents to report. However, traffic on the northbound Stevenson is starting near Harlem Avenue and continuing to Kedzie. And prepare for a very long drive, uh, as traffic is very heavy on the eastbound Eisenhower from the ramp to U.S. or from the ramp from U.S. 55 North, going all the way to downtown. And otherwise, on the north side, traffic is very heavy with delays on both sides of the inbound and outbound Jane Adams, Edens, and Kennedy Expressway. So that's all I got for you. Back to you. The uh, Carl, just to, I want to ask you. Um, I'm going to list a few things that I see that are issues hanging out there and you can maybe handicap whether or not the market should be worried about them uh you know we had uh, with that incredible rally a few weeks ago i mean it was it was so fast we had you know we sell calls in our in a part of our program we try and buy puts sell calls against to pay for the puts or at least partially pay for them and uh we had calls carl that were 35 dollars in the money it, it's never happened to me in all the years I've done this. Ran yeah. up so fast every day, and now every one of them is out of the money. Every one of them. And and we're, we we set ourselves up to where we're giving us room to the upside, and every day we should be selling in the money calls, for God's sake, instead of out of the money ones. But I just, as we go, just as you, uh, and then last night I made a mistake of uh, looking at Costco. The thing's still 40 times earnings, Carl. It's not yeah. like there's that oh, It's not like there's room to move, but... Just I'm gonna lob a few things out there, and uh, uh, what do you think is is there danger to the crypto? I mean, obviously, anywhere there's leverage now, I've got my eye on. Uh, I see this FTX is going out for a billion dollars, and they've been they've been the silly putty holding that whole industry together. What if they can't raise it? Uh, which I think they're gonna have trouble doing. Uh, what if they can't raise it? What if what kind of leverage is there in this crypto area that's gonna make the market even worse? Is there? Well, the, the leverage of the crypto area is extreme um, because there's there's no actual anything behind any of it. So, therefore, the leverage ratio is infinite, and <laughs> then you can figure out where the where the floor price is in a world of infinite leverage. Uh, there's very strong support at zero. Uh, well, I mean, I, I look the, at that. Uh, I look at the some prices are still. I won't say too high because the market may. Some some places still have a a pretty high PE for quote a recession. Which, I mean, by the way, I love oh, Co- I love yeah. Costco. I, I I don't I can't buy them at forty PE. I mean, uh, they're a right. retailer for God's sake. So, I mean, I can't buy Tesla here. I mean, even though I think you know Elon Musk, despite himself, has managed to make a pretty good company there. Even though he's get did most of it on federal largesse with these checks. But fact is, the guy has has some moxie and some some leadership. But but I don't. I'm worried about this foreign debt. I don't know how, you know, what what does the the European Central Bank balance sheet look like with, with interest rates at two percent and they were buying this crap at minus one. I mean, what what I can't believe when the when the first rollover from Greece or Italy or someplace is, are they going to try and buy that whole thing too? I mean, there's, we're reaching the end of the alley here, like in the movie uh, Animal House, right? When the, when the band kept going down the alley and all of a sudden they hit the wall. It seems to me there's is, is the Fed on this stuff, or are they clueless? Well, I hope they're on this stuff. I would expect that they probably are. I mean, they're, um, I, I don't think clueless would be an appropriate descriptive uh, adjective. But, but I do think 
that the the warning that Bernanke issued to Congress back in the time of the crash uh, is now coming into fruition, which uh, you know, he, he told Congress, he said, look, you guys can write trillion-dollar deficit bills for, you know, for spending. We can, we can absorb this up to a certain point at the Federal Reserve. It, we're, our job is to respond to what the market does. You are the people that set policy. We don't set policy. And, and you know, I mean, he told the absolute truth. We don't set policy. You guys set policy. You set fiscal policy. Not, not the Fed. But the Congress does. But at some point, we run out of rope to be able to do this. And when that occurs... <laughs> well, the game's over. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen, but he actually he actually put a timeline on it. He said there's there's probably about ten years worth of of buffering effect that we can put into this, and then we're going to run out of room. Well, we're out of room. Well, you know, it's uh, my one of my my buddies at the at the Fed. He's a brilliant guy, uh, and but you know, and we as as you can imagine, we clash more than you and I clash. And I said, you know, just just to rub it into him, I said, you know, I. I've actually been some reading some stuff now from monetarist guys, old old line monetarist guys, <clears throat> and they will say, they will say, say, Carl, that there's never once been a purely fiscal event that they could recall. And uh, and I, of course, I meant I said this to the Fed guy, and he was like apoplectic. What are you talking about? There's fiscal and there's monetary. I said, one causes the other. I, to, right. To be to be. Very very brief here, if I can be. The idea of fiscal policy is that if it left to people's own devices, I'm going way back to early Keynes, right? Left their own devices, your population is going to save between ten and twenty percent of their money. Of course, nobody can now, but back in the day, people did. And uh, and the idea is so they would only buy eighty percent. Now, of course, savings equals investment, right, Carl? So that's an identity. Always has been. I mean, the reason the, the stuff that people save is what other people can borrow and build on. So it equals investment, correct? And uh, so, if if you if you raise taxes on people, and you, you basically scoot the savings out, the government's going to spend everything it always has, right? So you essentially right. you essentially bring per, you essentially cheat from the investment side into the consumption side. And if you're in a recession, there's some school of thought that says you should do that to kick kickstart the economy again and then once you do then then the people will go back to savings again but nowhere in there does it, does it say anything about printing more money now you get to the monetary side the question the, the answer i guess the, the the argument is never once has the fed wherever you are be it turkey be it argentina be it wherever wherever you are whoever is in charge of the monetary policy inevitably helps out by printing money, which incent so the fiscal policy really turns into monetary policy and not fiscal policy. And I, I honestly believe that. Oh yeah, and and but see that's the thing is that we have we we have both parties that especially over the last twenty years and in in particularity since the financial crash in you know eight oh nine have believed that there's no consequence running you know trillion dollar annual you know four five six seven eight ten percent fiscal deficits you look at the internal funding deficit of the federal government that is what percentage of the federal spend is not actually collected in tax 
it's it it has been running in the twenty five to thirty percent range yeah, which for is, over a decade. That's almost that's almost a confederacy for God's sake. Well, that's that's insane. Yeah. Okay, and yet we we as Americans, we're the people put these you know these clowns in office. We're the reason they're there in D.C. Without us, they're not there because we we have to vote for them, and yet. Every time you look at the surveys and what they what they find, oh, Congress is a bunch of buffoons. But I love my guy. <laughs> well, I think there's a story is you know, and I'll I'll describe it a little bit. You can tell me I'm, I'm goofy, which is somebody has to do it at least once a day. The story that the Fed and the population is getting, say this last bill, or say, say even say even going back to Ronald Reagan, the story is we're going to cut taxes, okay, which is going to give us. Or, or something like that. We're going to give people money to do stuff. We're going to give investment credits. We're going to do whatever the game happens to be. Like if it's going to, if it's if it's the right wing, it's going to be cut taxes to the corporations. Right. We'll give investment credits, and the other side is we're going to we're going to have money for education. We'll do something on the, on the, on the other side. And I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with any of those urges. Okay, uh, but what the story is always going to be, we're going to make this investment of some kind, which is going to cause productivity to go up. Going to cause the economy to grow, and don't count the, the forty billion that it's costing us this year. Now it's up to a trillion or whatever. They, don't count that this year. Over the next several years, this is going to come back to us in spades. And oh, by the way, if you look five, seven, ten years out, all of a sudden now our tax and our tax, uh, whatever receipts are going to go way up because we made this quote invention. And all well, all you have to do, Mister Fed, is really finance us for a few years with printed money because it's going to come back the other way, our direction. And the fact is, then they go to the, they go to the government or the, the Congressional Accounting Office, and they come out and say, these guys are spot on, it's a great investment. Oh, by the way, they're out of their mind. Just just like but when Ronald Reagan did his, and I'm not denying what he did, going from whatever rates, those rates were too high, but everybody forgets that a year later they had a tax increase because they were horrified how much it hurt, it hurt the receipts, right? So well, yeah, and here's but here's the other thing. Do not forget what happened with Reagan and Tipper Gore. Okay, do not forget that. Reagan's deal that was made with the congressional leadership was that he would get a dollar of spending reduction or more for every dollar of tax cut. Okay, that was the deal he that he cut. Yeah, that never works. Tipper never he reneged on it immediately. Okay, he didn't wait a couple of years to renege on it. It happened instantly. And what did Reagan do about it? Because as president, he had actions he could take. He could have gone back to Congress and said, "You made this bargain. You either provide this, or I'm going to veto every single bill that comes across my desk until you do." Which is the which is the cudgel that every executive always has. All right, and never once did he even utter the threat, say much less do it. And, and this is the basic problem that we have with the way that we do fiscal policy in the United States, is that there is that cudgel within the federal government. We're coming up against it again, okay? September 30th, the, the, you know, the CR has to pass, right? Otherwise, the government shuts down. And, of course, we're right in front of an election, so nobody wants to get blamed for that. Well, okay, except... Um, we have an eight plus percent inflation rate by the government's standards. 
most people are feeling considerably more than 8%. And um, if we pass a CR that says we're going to have a trillion dollar deficit for the next 12 months, uh, what makes you think that's going to come down? Well, it's not. I, if, I, if I could sort of sum up in a half-faced Chicago way, Carl, the, the, the two parties, traditionally, and now I don't even know how you define them, but traditionally the Republicans always want to cut taxes to essentially their friends and, and everybody. And, and never really have the balls to cut out the spending to match it. They can blame it on somebody else. Whatever. And the Democrats want to give everybody everything and never have the balls to raise taxes to match it because they know it wouldn't work. Hence, you end up with a deficit no matter who's there. Yeah, well, but... Is see, that fair? See, is that a fair statement? These guys think they can get away with this. It doesn't show it. You know, look, you can offset to the extent that productivity goes up. All right? And that if productivity goes up by 2%, and input costs, including the inflation that you cause through monetary and, and fiscal actions, goes up by 2%. The net change in output prices is zero. Okay. The problem is that that 2% improvement in productivity, that belongs to the people who did the work. Right. For the government to steal it and say, oh, that's ours. Well, they they just stole it from all the people who well, did they, the work. They, okay. they, they, now uh, we've pushed this so far, though, Chief, that the people are saying, screw you, I'm going to do the minimum to not get fired. Yeah. Productivity is in the tank as a result. Right? I mean, you know, it's, it's running negative. That has not happened over the last 40 years in America. It's happening now. And at the same time, you have input costs shooting the moon. Well, it also comes down to who gets what piece of the pie. My, my, uh, my railroad buddy, I'll never say his name for fear some railroad executives listening, he texted me that, and he sent me an article about it. I read a little bit of it. Uh, something like five years ago or ten years ago, whatever, the, the railroads and again, they are essentially a cartel, right? I mean, because there's only five of them and there's really no competition there. I'll say very little, I won't say none. Um, he said the railroads, whether they're all in the same country club or whatever, decided on a plan, it's called the like the 555 plan or that in five years they were going to down, be down to 55% of the workforce without losing any efficiency. <laughs> and they yeah, okay. Ma- well, they made it down to like 61%, but on the backs of 24-7, your weekend, you're never even really off. If we call you, you better not be at a barbecue having a few beers. I mean, it was almost like being a general in the Army, for God's sake. And, uh, and to, I mean, all of us, to a certain extent, are on call. I mean, if one of my clients calls me on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to talk to him. But it's, right. not th- it's not the same as... You know, come into the office for eight hours starting at three on Saturday. Like, wait a minute, the market's already over. What are you doing? I mean, so he said they made it down to 61. Virtually all of that, of that, you know, the, the news media took it to because they're so, they're so corporate favored. They took it to these guys are getting this raise and they should be happy. What amounted to like 5% a year with inflation at eight? Probably not so high, but at least it's something. But they never really got into the work rule part, other than to mention. But this guy claims it was all—it's all about work rules to the point where the thing might get voted down. That'd be something. Of but I mean, well, well, okay. So I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of kind of stuff going on behind the scenes. And what you say, a lot of this has to do with. I think government actually, if they use their head, I don't know if any projects like this are left. They actually can cause massive productivity increases. I mean, I think they did by. The Golden Gate and Bay Bridge, I sure think they did with Hoover Dam. I think they did with the Tennessee Valley Authority by you. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden, I mean, there are there are projects that only the government can do, and it returns, you know, ten times what they what they spent for a hundred times. 
if, the, if you do it properly. And there probably still are some of those projects now out there that, of course, probably we're not doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, right. But, I mean, I, I think if you use your head, I think some inter, inter-city rail stuff, um, if you get the right place. We do these studies at Pullman. And if you, if, if you increased the, the rail capacity in these corridors, because now everybody wants to live in the city, uh, do, I, do I think it ends up being a huge boon for everybody along the way? The answer is yeah. I mean, if, if you can get people, essentially, if you ever want Chicago to be a, a you, you get rid of the, of the Oldsmobile factory or whatever it was up in uh, whatever the town was in Wisconsin, well, there's a rail line there. If you can get to Chicago from there an hour and 10 minutes and an 85-mile-an-hour rail corridor, guess what? Everybody maybe can get a job. You know, right. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to connect these places together. I was helped a guy who was on a, uh, a thing for the, the, the southeast side for a rail corridor. Carl, that was that was five years ago. I had a beer with the guy, and he was asking me my opinion. I never heard from it since. They got a board; they're paying guys to do this. There'll never be a train there. I mean, we, we can't seem to do anything that, that actually well, helps. Well, yeah, and it's, but the, what you have to look at, though, Chief, is not just the construction costs, which is, you know, when you when you fund good projects, they return more than you put in, okay? I don't care whether right. it's private enterprise or it's, or it's, you know, it's government. When you're talking about them at significant scale, a lot of times the government's the only one that's going to do it. And, okay, fine, I'm, I'm good with that. However... Where where you have the the wildly net losers is the operating cost and the and the pay you know the pay for by the people who are using it has to make sense as well and if you can't project that because you're doing things like this on a fiscal side then you've got a serious problem I mean we're you know I look at what's going on with gas prices right now between gasoline and diesel and the spread. Yeah. I was just a, I was just up north in Michigan a couple of weeks ago, and there was a two dollar spread between gas and diesel. A lot of that, a lot of that road, which by the way, up I seventy five is a major north south thoroughfare for for freight. Of course, as everyone knows. Here, we were seeing, I'm seeing at the place in the burbs that are cheap for here, but at other places, we we're three seventy eight for unleaded last Sunday, and we we're four ninety nine for diesel. That's a lot. Oh no, we're talking. We're talking about like three twenty-five twenty. Wow. Okay, a two-dollar spread, a literal two-dollar spread. That tells me that because of the way that refining works, you can't avoid getting a certain amount of gasoline. That's the way it is. That demand for gasoline has collapsed. Oh, absolutely. There's no. You talk to my brother. Talks to the guy where he gets gas, and the guy goes, "You have no idea how much it's hurt my." My water and candy bar and every, every right. all the rest business. Well, I you know we stopped at the campground. I, I had my trailer behind me. My daughter had her truck, and, and we stopped at the campground, and they, they nobody in there. And, and I, I said, well, you know, did you guys you know did you guys see you know people get hammered the summer? And he's like, you have no idea. It's five dollars a gallon. All the guys with big rigs, unless after they're staying home. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm just I look around and I mean. But I, I, I get back to this little railroad topic because it, it bothers me because the inca- well, I'm going to say if if you put you and me and the tracks are already there, if you put you and me on this project, we would have two trains running a day, even on even on tracks we might have to go slower on, we'd have it run by the end of the year, and we would have some kind of knowledge as to whether people jump on this train and come downtown or they don't. Right. And and you know what, if they don't, 
you know what? As my grandfather used to say, he who tries and fails is better than a guy who never tried at all. It was a nice try. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, and if all of a sudden people start hopping out and all of a sudden it, it ups the property values in those neighborhoods, guess what? We won. And you know what? We'll, we'll get an express track where we need it. We'll get some more cars. We'll get a station. Until then, we don't need it. Right. I'm just, you know, it's obviously some people want to make money. That's the goal, not actually getting some of these people to work. Nobody cares about that. It doesn't appear. Well, it's uh, at the end of the day, though, what you have to do has to make sense when you analyze, yeah. you know, from a from an externality standpoint and all of the different impacts. If you, especially if the government's going to fund it, of course, you know that's never how that works, right? It's it's who can get the kickbacks and how can right. we manage to get the bribes and you know, whatever have you. I just I can't I, I just wonder as I see everything in the Chicago area, I, how much of it is what's going on here is. Uh, designed. How much? How much of it is just incredible incompetence? Uh, I, I can't. I, the things with the Fed. I don't. I don't trust them to be watching this cryptocurrency, where the leverage is there. I don't. I don't trust them to, to know the day before some massive default happens on Chinese. I didn't trust. They're the ones by them being asleep. That's what caused the 2008 thing, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, but you look at you look at what we did. With this, you know, as a result of this dust up over in Europe, and and now look at the destabilization that has come to what was uh, an unsustainable but reasonably stable manufacturing base over there, which, by the way, is absolutely essential on a global basis in oh, terms yeah. of of inputs into other processes for everybody, including us. Oh, without a doubt, I, I, just, I mean, somebody better grab this by the throat right now. And tell the, the Democrats and Republicans to shut the bleep up, argue with each other, and get five person from each side down to Camp David and say, "This is what we think is happening worldwide. This this is how bad this is getting. Look at what's happened to these European currencies. We need to do these five things." And oh, by the way, if anybody in this room has a positive idea better than ours, lob it out there because we can use it. Wait, yeah. Well, wait. I mean, if, yeah. If you've got a better idea, speak now or shut up. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe yeah. somebody does, and maybe somebody does, which is which is the whole idea, right? Right. I mean, that's that's the entire point of something like that. But yeah, I mean, I you know, I see the stuff that's going on over there in Europe this winter. If they have to, and it looks like they're going to have to, if they have to divert fuel from industrial processes so people don't freeze to death, it, leave leave price aside. If you have to do this because you just don't have the supply, once those plants get shut down. It will be a year or more before they can be restarted. Are we looking? People need to understand what that means, and and they don't, and they better wake up to this because this is not a joke. Are we looking at sex with clothes on? Uh, no, I. Well, we're looking at sex with clothes on, but I think we're also looking at within the next year and a half to two years a global synchronized, well, Western, Western, uh, Western world anyway, depression. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I, there's got to be a way to intercept this somewhere between recession and depression. I, I, I refuse to believe there isn't a way, Carl. There is. Turn Nord Stream 2 on now and stop the BS with Russia. What do you, what do you think? You can stop it today. You think that is Putin's got to go or he will go? No, I, I think if Putin goes, it's actually the worst possible thing that could happen. Why? Because the most likely successor to him is going to be a hardline Soviet type, which is the worst thing you could ever want to occur. You could end up—you literally could end up with a nuclear war out of that. 
but they've got to they've got to be reacting to all their people running out with this conscription every heading for for the border. I uh, I, I get that, Chief, but I, I'm telling you, Putin among the people who could potentially succeed him, there you know, the, the CIA has has toppled seventy governments approximately over their lifetime. They've all been little tin pot dictators. This one's not. And if we do this, and we actually manage to force Putin out of there, I think that's going to be the biggest mistake that has ever occurred in international politics and foreign relations. Well, I hope if it happens, you're not right, or it doesn't happen. We're, I don't. We don't need any more bad news. Now, by the way, hopefully your teams win this weekend. Uh, Irish are playing North Carolina. Maybe they can beat them. I don't know. Well, not that it makes any difference on the world scale. But have, have a nice weekend, bud. Talk at you next week. SP Futures, yep. we're down on our low again here, down 52. That's not good. SP Futures down 154. So far, no good news. Nothing green on the page. Back on Monday, Stacks and Jacks. Come on, flounder. Can't spend your whole life worried about your mistakes. You f***ed up. You trusted it. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.